When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We took a bit of a break for the holiday, but we're back here on Wednesday. It's Chris Carter hosting. We got a former Steeler, a former Super Bowl champion, Trey Essex, back on the show. He's been here before. I want to ask Trey about how Mike Tomlin's handling the Mason Rudolph-Kenny Pickett situation, as well as the offensive line, and can this defense keep up his performance with all those backups? All that and more here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by Super Bowl champion offensive lineman Trey Essex. Remind you, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you want to get more content just like this every single day from all of our Post-Gazette writers, especially our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday episodes of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Um, and as always, we are sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, they have over 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area. 80 of those local beers are available on tap at all times, and they're switching new ones in and out every single day so that you can get new options every time you go and trust me you'll never run out because i never do and i'm always there also if you want to join us thursday night 7 p.m myself and noah hiles the pit beat will be there so be sure to get to mike's beer bar 7 p.m this week if you want to hang out with us and you want to talk some pit sports or even just overall pittsburgh sports or even overall sports it'll be a great time join us at mike's beer bar this week as i said before we're joined by trey essex he's been with with us here on the show before trey There is a lot of hubbub going on right now in Pittsburgh after the holidays. Mason Rudolph, Mike Tomlin says he's going to get the get the ball to start the week just like he did last week. Kenny Pickett is still recovering. It seemed like you know there was a chance for him to cover last week. Didn't happen. He was on the sidelines. It's a similar thing this week. And there is a division in Pittsburgh. There are some people who think that Kenny Pickett needs to get back in there as soon as possible. And there are some people who think Mason Rudolph is the hot hand and he should be given the chance to ride it out until he's hot no more. As a person who's been on a team that's won a Super Bowl, as a person who's an NFL player who's seen adversity live and in person in front of him, how do you think the Steelers should handle this situation right now? It's a tough one, man. Um, I mean, Rudolph saved Christmas. I mean, you, you don't want to put, <laughs> we don't want to downplay that at all. I mean, he came in, did his thing on Saturday. He got those boys going in the right directions. You saw how much energy was on that side of the ball for the first time this year, um, for the first time in a few years, actually, uh, to put up that uh, type of points and to be that, uh, to have that type of efficiency on offense. But let's not get carried away. The offense was the same offense we've been running all year, and we were going against one of the worst defenses in the league. With all that being said, we still put up 34 points. We still scored multiple touchdown passes for the first time in a long time. The run game looked confident. It was complimentary to the pass game. And Rudolph was out back there slanging that thing. And mm-hmm. it looked 
good. It looked like we were an NFL offense, and it was great to see. Now, with all that being said, Kenny is your franchise guy. If you believe in him, I can see why Coach Tomlin would start him. Me personally, I wouldn't. I want to see Mason and see if he can replicate some of that thing, some of that stuff he did on Saturday. He has the high hand. I want to see if he can do it two times in a row. But if Kenny is your guy and he's 100%, I can see why Coach Tomlin would start him. Now, he's coming off a high ankle sprain. Mm. Those things don't heal. Those things don't heal as fast as uh, this would be, what, three weeks he's been out? Yeah, three, uh, I think this would, be the, this would be the fourth week now because he he got injured against the Cardinals. They played the Patriots, the Colts, and the Bengals. So this would be the fourth game since the injury. And it's not just the injury that's getting healed. He has surgery. He had yeah. He actually got cut on a little bit, and it's something that he's been lingering with throughout the whole year. So you can't tell me that he's 100% healthy. Uh, he's going to be traveling all the way to Seattle this weekend, which is going to take a toll on your body taking that type of trip to the West Coast. So if he's not healthy, which I don't think there's any way that he's 100% healthy, you got to go with Mason. I'm with you on this in that if he is not 100% healthy, let him rest. And right. e- even have him in the Ben Roethlisberger's role that he was in, I think it was 28 to 2017 maybe, when Landry Jones started a game, but Ben Roethlisberger was recovering from an injury, and right. it was against the Browns, and uh, then the Browns hurt Landry Jones, and then Ben came in and like lit him up. Uh, yes. I-, I think have Kenny Pickett in that kind of a role, where like, yes. look, obviously Mitch ain't it this year. They've given him f- fair chances. If Kenny Pickett's healthy enough to play – that's different than being a hundred percent. So I'm with you. If he is not 100%, like if he's not in practice, able to stop, turn around, make the, you know, make guys miss play Mason Rudolph because he exactly. is, he is, he's given your best look. It's since 2020, 34 points was the most points scored by this team since they like, they, since, you know, since 2020 when they did it three times uh, and it's most points scored during in a winning effort. I'll say because 2021, they scored 37 points twice, but both of those were in like, losses where they were just trying to keep up with with the scoring but in a winning effort it hasn't happened since 2023 times and no quarterback has had 124 passer rating since ben's big 39 point performance against the eagles way back in 2020 so when you're an offense that doesn't have a system that you're relying on it's not like they have an identity that is like oh man that that's what you want to be you need to rely on sparks and mason rudolph gave you a Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm all for riding with him until you get Kenny Pickett back. And again, 100%. I'm not even talking about 80%. I'm talking about 100%. Good as new. Good as coming out of training camp. Then Kenny Pickett can go back in. I agree. Totally. And you got to think about the guys that are around him. It's one thing. If it's Landry Jones and uh, you got True. Ben coming in and those guys like, okay, we won with Ben. We know what Ben can do. These guys, we won with Kenny. But the guys around, the, the confidence, the wide receivers especially, you know what we're talking. We're talking about George Pickens mm-hmm. and Deontay Johnson. This is some of the best they've played. Granted, Deontay didn't have the numbers, but you could tell he was happy for how GP was performing and mm-hmm. how he uh, celebrated with him in his uh, social media comments afterwards. These guys are going from having their best game on offense and then they're coming back with the, a hobbled Kenny. How, how would the guys respond to that? I mean, I hope they would go for their guy, but at the same time, they haven't had the the prolificity on offense with him, you know, and so it's going. It may shake with their confidence a little bit, and they want to. The young guys want to uh, repeat what they did this past Saturday too. They enjoyed winning like that. They enjoy whooping up on a division opponent, and they also want to see what they could do against Seattle with the and uh, the last game against Baltimore with the type of offense that Mason provided this past weekend. 
I think it, 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 you you want to see that you want to ride that, and you want to give your your that unit confidence right now. And right. if and here's the other thing again, if if you do what we're talking about, where like let's say Kenny practices throughout the week. Also, here's another thing. Kenny Pickett, you know, the doors being left ajar for him. If he's not able to practice fully by 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 Wednesday today, yeah, you're you and let's say he comes in Thursday. You're talking about a guy coming off um, almost a month's rest with and not having a full week to prepare as the QB one, and he hasn't had a good a, a, you know the kind of performance Mason has had. Like that's my thing. He would need to be healthy like right now, like like yes. a, like a hundred percent in practice today, and he'd be like, oh. Okay, that's a little different than what we've seen out of Kenny uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, and if and if he's not, it's perfectly fine to go with Mason. I don't think there would be anything bad with it. But here's the thing: if he's good enough to at least play and just maybe not start and maybe not be the best version of himself, you keep him as your QB two. And then if Mason goes in, and I'm not even talking about a mediocre game. If he has a t- like a Nathan Peterman three interceptions in the first half type of performance, then all right, Kenny, give it a shot, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens here. But if Mason comes in and is steady, and you're moving the ball, and you beat the Seahawks, keep riding with him until again Kenny can do everything that he's supposed to do, uh, and then we'll cross that bridge when we when we get there. And it's not like this is this is his first injury. I mean, this is 25, 26 games in, and he's been concussed three times. This ankle mm-hmm. was lingering even before this last injury, and he got he got cut on. Like, yep. that's not something that you usually come back from after three. I've had a high ankle sprain. Now I know the surgery that he had, the tightrope surgery, is supposed to speed up recovery, and medical advancements are happening every day. But mm-hmm. we are talking about a lower sh- extremity injury, a, a significant one that prohibits or at least limits your mobility in the pocket. And let's be honest, o- O-line hasn't been protecting the best this year. And it's part of the reason why he's hurt in the first place. So, yeah, you got to take all that into account, especially if you think this is your guy for the future. You almost got to protect him from himself as well as protect him for the franchise. Absolutely. I want to ask Trey about the Steelers offensive line. It's a perfect segue. We'll do that in the next segment here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Trey Essex, stick with us. we got a lot to discuss. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar on the Pittsburgh. If you ever are trying to, if you try, if you can't make it to Seattle and you just want to watch the, 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 big, the big Steelers game at, at, in Pittsburgh, go to Mike's beer bar they have over 20 televisions they'll have the, the Steelers game on most of them on uh, on, on Sunday when they're playing on, on New Year's Eve and you, and you can if you want to catch other games at the same time it's, a, it's one of the best places that you could do it in the entire city they, they have they have all the games college football NFL NBA NHL uh, uh, River Riverhounds Premier League action anything sports Mike's beer bar has and they have over 500 different available beers 300 of those beers being local, eight of those local beers being available on tap at any point in time. You could try out all different ones every new week because they're always switching new ones in and out. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you get your choice cut of steak brought to you on a heated stone where every time you cut off a piece, you choose how well it's done, how well done each piece is by pressing it into that heated stone and then taking a bite at the at the temperature that you want. Come to Mike's Beer Bar to get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. And when you tell when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. We are back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Super Bowl champion, former Steeler, Trey Essex. Trey, let's talk about this offensive line, because like you said, 
They have not done the best job protecting whoever's been at quarterback all season long, and it's part of the reason Kenny Pickett has been kind of injured. Um, but I, I do think they took another step forward in this game, and it's funny because there was a period like in November where like they were, I think it was five straight games, so more than just November, where they ha- they they had over 130 yards rushing in every single contest, and then against the Patriots and the Colts, that dropped down to less than 100. And you just, it seemed like a, re, a, re, a regression of the progress we had seen. And then all of a sudden, Saturday afternoon, evening, you see it get back. You see them moving people. Isaac Sayamalo, I thought, had one of his best games. He was blocking his butt off. James Daniels getting to the second level. I thought Broderick Jones gave up some pressures that he didn't need to. I think he, he still gets you're fine there. But you see, when he gets to go move downhill and he gets to run block, mm-hmm. he moves people. Yes, he and does. I, I'm imp- I was impressed by that as a unit. Now, I don't know how consistent they'll be in these next two games, but how do you look at the progress of this offensive line? Is there anyone in particular that you're most impressed with or least impressed with? It's been a mixed bag. Um, at this time last year, you saw um, a constant progression from this offensive line. They were trending upwards, and they ended the year strong um, as a unit. And that comes from the fact that they played every snap, I think, outside of one all last year and this year they've been relatively healthy too i mean once we put broderick in and uh chooks out the run game immediately saw the benefits of having that young stud at right tackle now i still think he's playing out of position i think he's more of a natural left tackle but he has learned some of the nuances to the right tackle position and he's an athlete and so he gets away with a lot of stuff but i do think that he he's been after a strong start once he got inserted into the starting lineup he's had some up and down performances, but all in all, I'm not worried about 77. I think he's going to be a monster. I think eventually his position is going to be left tackle. He'll move there next year. But in the meantime, him and James are probably what at least precipitated that start uh, to our run game, improving how it did. Now they laid some eggs, dude. They laid some eggs against New England. They laid some a big old eggs against Arizona and they played horrible against Indy. I was really disappointed in that, uh, in that performance because India is not a big pressure team. They were a, a base front, pretty pretty vanilla as far as what they do on defense. So I thought we would have a lot of success running the ball because they've given up points in yards. Um, but it was good to see them bounce back against Cincinnati. Um, it's been uh, our Mason, Mason Cole. Um, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be the leader of this offensive line, but he's been the, this point this year. There's no sugarcoating it. Yeah. Um, we need and we've had dynamic centers, and it usually bodes well, and it has bode well for the, the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the lineage, when you go down the line of our centers, mm-hmm. and so the standard is high at that position, and he has come far below the bar, and I think it's kind of trickled out throughout the whole, whole offensive line. Isaac hasn't had his best year. We thought that he was going to be much better coming into this season than mm-hmm. he's been, and he's been inconsistent. It was good to see him get back on the right path this past saturday him pulling around because that's a i think that's his bread and butter when he's in space and when he's moving and we can uh pull around those power plays and those counter plays mm-hmm. i think that he's at his best he gets into a good rhythm but i think he has at least some confidence issues with the inconsistency with how we call our run plays and so there's no rhythm that they can get into as a unit but um it was good to see them gel as a unit i still think we probably had too much pressure on Mason, there was a couple of leaky spots, but by and large, I thought the performance was much improved. But it's something that has to keep on going. It's something that we have to address this offseason. We can't go into the 
into the season next year with this unit as it stands, because I think our left tackle and our center positions are where we're at the weakest. I think that's going to be a strength once you move Broderick to left. have no idea what they're going to do with Chooks. I don't know. He's been in the doghouse. Uh, I didn't even see that move coming. I thought if anybody was going to get replaced, it was going to be Dan Moore. But right. obviously, they think with Chooks and that contract next year, or I don't know if he's a free agent after next year or not. But No, he's, he, he's a $13 million dollar cap hit. Yeah. So that's going to be an issue. The fact that he hasn't been able to get back into the starting lineup this entire time since he got benched, and pretty much the writing is on a wall for him. So we really got to see what we're going to do uh, up front because we definitely – that is a weakness on our, offensive, uh, on our offense, obviously, and it's a big reason why we haven't had the success that we've wanted. I'll correct myself. He's an $11.8 million cap hit next year. He's a $13 million cap hit this year. They can save eight points. Five million dollars by letting him go this summer. Uh, I, I don't like to advocate for people just losing yeah, their. Job. It's, not, it's, it's not how, and I know some people are like oh, that's, that's, oh, they, people don't care, but uh, I genuinely care about people. And and Chuk's the guy I've talked to. He's been always been very nice to me, but it, it just makes a lot a lot of sense if, if when a guy isn't starting in, in, for your, for your offense, and if he's not playing at a high level, he can't be one of your highest paid player uh, players on the team. That's no. going to be a I mean, that's the uh, simple business. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the situation there. But I'm with I'm with you right now. Their biggest problems are center and left tackle, and like you said, Broderick Jones moving to left could make make that easier moving moving forward. Um, and then we could see. And I think that what you know, two big needs if they get a center. And to your point, the 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 second Super Bowl that you won with this team in Super Bowl 43, that's the only time an All Pro center has been part of a Super Bowl champion. Uh, a guy there. I think Ray Mansfield helped in the early '70s. Mike Wagner, of course, in the late '70s was became the starter, and then uh, you had uh, Dermani Dawson uh, get to the Super Bowl in the '90s, and then you had Jeff Hardings, who was fantastic uh, for Super Bowl Forty. But Justin Harding, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I'm saying. You go from your heart from Hardings, and then also Pouncey for the the Packers Super Bowl. So Pouncey, Hardings, um, Dawson. Uh, 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 Wagner, even Ray Mansfield, who basically was the, was a leader on the early seven early seventies Steelers team when they were still when they were coming together. Like there, there's a there's a serious lineage, like you said, of Steelers centers uh, that have carried them throughout the uh, throughout the decades. Uh, and, and you know, I think Mason Cole, I think he balanced things after the Kendrick Green situation, and mm-hmm. you got at least a little bit better from there. But you're right, it's not enough right now, and. Center needs to be either position in the draft that they're looking at or position that they are making a serious free agent move to get a dude who's going to come in and change that position for them, like Jeff Hardings did uh, in, right. in the in, in the mid-2000s. Um, and I also think, you know what? It might behoove the Steelers to go draft early at offensive tackle yet again and say, hey, we're getting two beefy maulers who are just coming to kick your butt and they'll be part of this team for the next eight to ten years. And if you have that, that is a big part of your offensive line. Tackle is the one position on the Steelers' offense and the Steelers' overall roster makeup that you look at, and there's not like clear Hall of Famers at. Like you know, there's Alan Fanica, there's there's Damani Dawson, but there's no like tackle like. And, and there's great guys. You you guys you guys had several good Marvell Smith guys that were. You know, Hall of Honor dudes, but like yeah. Hall of Fame dudes, that's the one position the Steelers haven't had that in their in their time. I think that it, it could be it could use d- doubling down and investing seriously in that position to change this unit as a whole. I agree, and if we do go that route, and see, ideally speaking, I think yeah, in this day and age, NFL, you need 
great tackles with the yes. how great, especially our division, how great the pass rushers are. You got Trey Hendrickson, Miles Garrett, uh, the Ladarius Clowney's with yeah, yeah Jadavian Clowney's having a career year uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Baltimore. Um, who I've always had a little thing with. I thought he was overrated from the jump. But anyway, <laughs> Baltimore has that way of uh, bringing the best out of people, and he's having a great year there. Um, another move I would make, I would put James Daniel at center. I want – you need somebody Ooh. who uh, – I, I love the way he plays when he's on, and he has experience playing center at Iowa. And so if you're going to bring in two young tackles, I think we brought in our, our vet at, with Isaac. I think we bring in another vet at right guard, and we have James Daniel start at center. Either we draft a guy um, at right guard or we bring in a free agent. And I think you solidify the interior of the O-line that way. That way, we're not having Mitch Trubisky throwing interceptions off his back foot. He threw off his back foot almost every single throw when he was throwing the beat, which it was the most maddening thing because he didn't always have to. But once he saw one ghost, he saw them all game. And Kenny does that a lot too. Having the confidence of, of not pirouetting to the left because mm-hmm. Mason also had a move like that this past game where he pirouetted to the left and, and got sacked because mm-hmm. of uh the confidence of not being able to step into the pocket. And it's everything. Like, even if a tackle doesn't have his best pass set, if he can push him by, if the quarterback has confidence that he can step up into the, into the pocket and deliver a throw and keep his eyes downfield, that makes the tackle's job 100% easier. And so I think what you do is solidify the inside, and I think that gives you the best chance uh, from an O-line standpoint, protecting your quarterback and having some confidence in the run game too. I think so. I think so, absolutely. You know, the center position, it's important for a reason because it protects the middle of the offensive line. It not only relays a lot too, it, 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 when you're when you're strong up the middle, everyone else can feed off of that because then, Amen. you know, the, the guards aren't having to rely, ha- having to help you so much uh, mm-hmm. and, and then they can help the tackle and then, and then the tackles feed off of their energy. And it's it's why Marquise Pouncey was a game changer for the Steelers in 2010. And so... I I think they needed a game changer there. And I've said this. I felt that of all the guys, if you're looking for a a person who was consistent this year, I think James Daniels was the most consistent yes. Steelers offensive lineman this year. And if he can snap for you, I actually really like that idea of him moving to center because he's also very athletic. He is very athletic. And he's he's a, he likes to move people out of there. I think mm-hmm. he's been integral to Broderick's growth. The fact yes. that he had that consistency – and a vet in right guard who has all the starts that he has. I think that's been a big reason why Roger has been able to play as well as he has. But I think the O-line as a whole will benefit from somebody as athletic and as a, as aggressive and assertive as um, James is. That's the thing with Mason. I don't know how aggressive he is. I think he just kind of – he catches way too much. He doesn't shoot off the ball. He kind of eases into his blocks. And he's not finishing, guys, like you would want your center to. I mean, I'm kind of spoiled by the way – Pouncey was was a unicorn, man. The way Pouncey moved, the way his mm-hmm. he was aggressive, he had the total package. He had everything that you wanted in the center. And so you kind of almost expect that. And Mason's just not that guy. I think James could give you a little bit, bit of that inside. That would certainly be very interesting. I want to get Trey's thoughts on the defense here, too. I know he's an offensive lineman, but that man, ta- that man can talk some defense, too, 
we will get his opinions on the on, on the defense and if they can keep up what they did against the Bengals, despite all their injuries that continue to mount. But first, I want to remind you guys, we're also sponsored by Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. They're mesothelioma and asbestos loads with over 85 years of experience. Call them now for a free consultation at Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets it's for all the sports, com- music, comedy, and theater events near you. If you're if you're looking for tickets and you're running up to, to the venue at the last minute, don't go to the scalpers. Don't go to ticket office. Go to Game Time, an app you can download right to your phone because it's going to give you better prices than you get at the ticket box, and it's going to help you make sure you're not getting scammed out by scalpers. Because when you go to Game Time and you see these amazing prices, you're seeing the view from the seats in the app, so you know that every time you're with the price that you're paying is worth what the seat that you're actually getting. And if you think that you that, that, that you can get better prices somewhere else, Game Time challenges you, hey, we have the best price guarantee. If you can find a ticket price in the same section in a row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference in those pr- prices. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to the website, GameTime.co. Term and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter here with two-time Super Bowl champion Trey Essex. Trey, let's talk about the Steelers' defense because as as much as everyone always worries about the offense, I, I, felt, I, I was kind of like, man, I don't know how this defense is going to do because the Bengals had been averaging over 30 points a game the last three weeks. They was on fire. Jake Browning was like, you know, that was out here. And then – they ended the Jeremy Lin run that was Jake Browning by picking him off three times and limiting that Bengals offense to just 11 points. And yeah, sure, again, no Joe Burrow, no Jamar Chase, but it didn't matter who they were playing. Like the, the Colts game, they were they they were they were not able to hold it together. And this is a defense that for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they're down to their fifth and sixth options at linebacker. They just signed Jalen Smith, a guy who I thought was 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 done in the NFL. He's just signed to the practice uh, to, to the Steelers, and now he's going to try and work with Miles Jack and Blake Martinez to try to learn this linebacker position in two weeks uh, to try to see if he could if he could help this team. You're also down to your sixth and seventh options at safety because Mika Fitzpatrick, Trenton Thompson, Demonte Casey, and Keanu Neal and Elijah Riley all couldn't play. That's, that's this is insane, and they delivered a performance like that, Trey. Yeah. You you've seen t- you've been part of teams that have dealt with attrition, maybe not like that, but have dealt with you know, injuries that have required guys to step up left and right and be like, all right, we're doing this, we're doing this. What does it take for a unit to come together and deliver like that despite all those injuries? Well, first of all, shout out to Jalen Smith, Fort Wayne's finest. Uh, he's from hey. my hometown, so good to see him finally come over to the good side and join Steeling Nation, so excited <laughs> to see what he could do and if he has anything left in the tank because when he was at his best, he was he was, he was was someone to deal with. In, in, in that Cowboys uniform, so it was good to see him, man. But uh, it was it was inspiring to see the type of effort that these guys put in. These practice squad guys and, and Roe, I think uh, his name was, who came in with a big interception uh, in that game. Um, yeah. To see Pat yeah. Pete make the move to free safety, which I think is going to give him a new lease on life because a lot of the great corners who have made that move, it's boded well for them. You saw with the Woodsons and Rod yep. Woodson and Charles Woodson. Mm-hmm. who were able to extend their careers and, and have Pro Bowl seasons uh, at the safety position. So who knows? Him and Minka back there could, could be really good. And 
he he's going to be back there because we we need him. I mean, we're not going to get Casey back this year. We're not going to get Keanu back this year. I don't know how serious Riley's injuries and Thompson's injuries are, but who knows if we have them back this year? Hopefully, Mika comes back this week. But it was a, it was pretty cool to see this team come together the way Miles Jack was just he what was he at Applebee's watching the games and stuff when he got the call to come back. I mean, he was retired and done with football, was able to come back in two weeks yeah. and really help spark uh, the middle of that uh, defense. And so it, that happens because you have good leaders. Um, mm-hmm. You got T.J. Watt and you got Cam Hayward and you got Alex Highsmith, who is becoming a leader in his own right. And you got Mink on the sideline, even though he wasn't playing. You you know, you can't tell me that Mink is not in there leading and helping the boys in the secondary get on the same page. And you got guys like Pat Pete back there helping guys out. That's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know, they can put players in the best possible position they can. They can say they have all the confidence in their depth. But, I mean, they're on practice squad and they're second string for a reason. And the only reason they have that type of performance is because they're surrounded by the type of leadership that is on that defense. And it was good to see. It was really good to see them playing inspired football against an offense that had been on fire. Jake Browning has put up numbers left and right. I know he was itching too, especially after we gave him that rude awakening when it, in his first start, and then he pulled off three in a row. I know he was itching to come back to Pittsburgh and, and prove that he was that guy, and they proved that he was not that guy mm-hmm. you know, really quick and efficiently. So it was good to see, but that's all because of leadership on that defense. And when you got T.J. Watt, number 90, back there wrecking havoc in the, back, uh, in the backfield, it makes the whole uh, defense's job easier. I think that's something is that this this unit was able to lean on guys like him, uh, him, Alex Highsmith. They were they they wrecked parts of the game. They both got got sacked. Had, Alex Highsmith had an interception, a rather impressive one at that deep down the right. field. Um, right. You know that you you got performances like that, and like you said, Patrick Peterson. One thing I was able to see from the press box was he was coordinating so much. Like he was just being like, "Hey, let's get here, let's get there." And there were so many times, and now that I've had time to go over the all twenty two, like where the the Bengals called passing concepts and the Steelers weren't just like uh, like running with them step for step they were anticipating them they were they were like hey they they're they're using this concept let's get ready let's get in the right spots and they would be in position to say all right Jake Browning if you're the man fit it into this gap right, right here because this is this is the look we wanted to present to you to make it tough on you and then also a guy like Miles Jack and who you know Miles isn't exactly unfamiliar with the Steelers defense but still yeah. This guy, this guy was, you know, I think he was training to be a pilot, uh, you know, uh, a, f- a few months ago. And uh, uh, he comes in and I'm using my binoculars. I'm, I was looking. I want to see like when he came in for a Landon Roberts, I was looking like I want to see how he's thinking. And I see him m- calling out all the signals. Hey, guys, get over here. And there was a run play where they were about to give it to Joe Mixon. He was about to go out wide. And he's and he, you see a motion. Get over here. Get over here. And they slide down and they turn the run back inside. It was a run stuff. That kind of stuff. If you can get those type of efforts from veterans to hold it down and just not be liabilities, that's what allows guys like T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, and I also say Joey Porter Jr. He's playing pretty well, but that's, that's what allows them to, to to kind of make the splash plays that change the game as long as you're not giving up big plays yourself. To see how Joey Porter has improved what people thought was his weakness coming into the draft, to see him out there just sticking his head in there and tackling that young kid, Man, the sky's the limit for him, man. I love the way he approaches the game. I love his attitude. He gets a little – his penalties are always aggressive penalties because he wants to get in there mm-hmm. and, and get after it. He wants to be physical, and he's added that tackling aspect. So that's that. That's one position I'm not worried about anymore And because he's come in and done a great job. Um, 
living up to the hype. And he's a rookie, man. And he has not hit a wall. So it was really good to see. But yeah, how you get guys to buy in is when you see a veteran, a pro bowler, uh fringe, maybe future Hall of Famer and Patrick Peterson, mm-hmm. not hesitate to switch possession positions to mm-hmm. help his team. You know, and when you see that, the young guys, I have no excuse. You know, I may play out of position or whatever, but also give credit to the coaching staff. With all those new pieces, you got to come up with a game plan that gets everybody on the same page. Because it's easy for one guy to not get the communications, you know, especially when the landing robbers, the green dot goes off the field. Miles Jack has to take over. Granted, Miles familiar with with the defense, but you still got so many young guys that you don't even talk to on a regular. Guys who just have only been there for a few weeks or haven't been there. Having, you haven't been practiced next to them in a play, but for that week that you went into this game. And so um, you need to call a game plan that's somewhat scaled down, but at the same time taking advantage of the skill set that these guys have. And you got to give Coach Austin credit for that. Absolutely. And I, I thought it was interesting where uh, Mike Tomlin brought up last week how uh, you know, maybe he said maybe we were calling some de- December plays for September guys and, and talking about the adjustments that they were trying to make in game uh, against the Colts weren't things that guys who were coming off the bench and had never hadn't played at all this year, things that they could do as as much in the game. Right. But he said I asked him about that this week and he said and he said, you know, we had a full week to prepare a lot of these guys for it. So they were ready and we were able to do those things this weekend. I think that's the impressive part of it because a huge part of Terrell Austin's defense, he does not simplify things. He wants mm-hmm. to disguise that. Like, like that's the thing people are saying he's a bad off a defensive coordinator or whatever, because they get mad when the Steelers lose. But the fact of the matter is the Steelers have the seventh best scoring defense in the NFL right now. Like yeah. they're a top 10 defense, despite I think they've had two whole games with Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and Mika Fitzpatrick as a trio from start to finish actually being healthy. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick has missed more than a month. Cam Hayward missed two months. They're down to their fifth and sixth string linebackers, sixth and seventh. They've had guys moving to safety. They've had to put Miles Kilbrew back there. Like, like this is a defense that should have fallen off a cliff at some point this season, but it hasn't. And Terrell Austin, Mike Tomlin, the position coaches – they all deserve credit for what they're doing right now. And this is all despite, and I can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm sure the offense was up there as far as leading the league in most three and outs, especially early on. And so this is despite them being on the field for large portions of the game and dealing with all those injuries. And like you said, not having the three headed monster that is TJ cam and Minka on the same field for more than a, a handful of games. So, when you think about it, when you think about all these people coming off the street, coming off a practice squad, second and third string guys coming in and being able to uh, mount that type of performance against a division opponent when you absolutely need it, reeling from a three-game losing streak, a lot of credit is deserved on the defensive side of the ball and that coaching staff with Austin and his crew. Absolutely. We will see how they adapt to playing the Seahawks on the road. That's going to be another challenge. Uh, They're very much like the Steelers. They've been up and down this year. It's going to be a big game. The Steelers really need to win this game to make sure that they're still in the playoffs. They're still, they don't, they won't be eliminated this week, but if they lose, it makes it, it makes a lot of miracles have to happen. But if they win and then they beat the Ravens in week, week 18, it is about a 95% chance right now. The Steelers are going to be in because the AFC South, you need two of the three AFC South teams to at least lose one game down the stretch here 
the mm-hmm. Texans and Colts play each other. So that's a guarantee that one of them will lose that game. And the Jaguars have been falling off a cliff. And I don't, I won't give the 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 Texans or the Colts um uh uh a free reign to just win this week either uh with, with their games. So that could very much happen. The Bills could lose to the Dolphins. There's multiple ways for the Steelers to get it done if they win this th- these these next two games. We'll keep you posted here on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Trey, thanks so much for joining us and always giving your great insights. Let people they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Oh, Trey Day 79. You can follow me. Oh, I still call it Twitter, man. Still hard for me to call hey, it. Same here. Twitter, you know, uh, <laughs> Trey Day 79. Also got a podcast album. Try to do what you do, Chris. Hey. A little bit more of me. Uh, to the people, uh, it's called Pod Me Up, man, with my guy Rich Rodewalk. Um, okay. We're going to be releasing some episodes here pretty soon. We got four. You can find them on Apple and Spotify and whatnot. And then we're going to switch from audio and do this video thing here pretty soon. Um, and we'll be on YouTube. So I'll keep everyone posted. But uh, Chris, as always, thanks for having me, brother. Um, and we'll do this again real soon, I'm sure. We absolutely will. I want to get your thoughts. Heck, especially if there's a playoff run, that could be that could be very interesting to talk hey, about. Hey, one more thing, too, sure. because people don't think, what's the point of going to the playoffs? Dude. What do you mean? Like, when what people say that, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so, i give you three real quick. The experience, you can't mm-hmm. get anywhere mm-hmm. else but in the playoffs for these young guys. They need it. It's not going to matter that much in the draft at this point. We're not going to get a much better pick if we don't make the playoffs. Right. You know? And then once you're in, anything can happen. We are the team, the first team, to come in and barely make it in as a sixth seed and go all the way. So you never know. There's so many reasons. That this is, That's such a dumb argument to me, but I digress. Uh, you, you, you're right along with me, man. We could do a whole episode about dumb arguments from Steelers Twitter uh, <laughs> as a show here. But we, we're out of time. we got to get out of here. Trey, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here in the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Trey Essex. We'll be back Friday with Brian Batko uh, at Mike's Beer Bar where we're breaking down all the things you need to get ready for this game. And, of course, we'll have our Saturday episode where we talk to an opponent expert on the Seattle Seahawks all here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Subscribe to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.